This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn. I'm Darshan Johan. Bursi has released their election observations report of the six state elections that took place in 2023. The report details various violations and misconducts that took place during the elections and also provides suggestions to make elections fairer and more accessible. So joining me on the show to unpack this report is Ashraf Sharafi, Senior Manager at Bursi. Ashraf, welcome to the show. Uh, hello, Dustin. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. So let's start with just, um, you know, why are reports like these important? Um, Ashraf, what is the role of civil society organizations such as Bursi in monitoring the elections and advocating for electoral reforms? Um, why is this important? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, for, for Bursi, I think, uh, and, and as we all know, uh, civil society organization or CSO such as Bursi, we are really the third force. Uh, to check and balance, and also we are we want to push for a greater reform, uh, for for our nation, uh, for for our nation to be more democratic, and more progressive in terms of uh, uh policy and uh in terms of uh, reform, but particularly for Bursa, <coughs> as we are dealing with election and also electoral reforms, we are monitoring the actors that are involved in election. Uh, especially the political parties or uh, the election candidates uh, and also the election management body, the SPR, uh, the government and other enforcement agency. So because election election is the backdrop of democracy, I think if all the parties, uh, the stakeholders, the EMB, the SPR, the government, the uh, candidates can participate in the election process cleanly, the outcome of the election will be much better and the competition in election will also improve as we can focus more on policy issue rather than some something else. Uh, I think the clean election will facilitate a cleaner politicians and also in, and and also a cleaner government. Lah. Ashraf, what are some of the key challenges or what were the key challenges faced by Bursi in carrying out your monitoring activities um, throughout the elections? Okay, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, if we can do some like uh, 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 his, uh, go back to history before this, before GE thirteen, uh, or GE fourteen actually, uh, we can only monitor the election process outside of the polling station. That means that we cannot go inside the polling station. But after right. GE fourteen, and uh, there are more uh, by election and then the state elections and also like uh. uh and coming to GE15 and the state state, uh, state election last year, I mean, we are being part of the uh, program uh, conducted by SPR called Pemerhati, the, the election observation program, where we can go inside the polling station. So before this, we cannot go inside the polling station. But I think the more the main challenge for us, uh, on, on most of the civil society group, is that is the resources. Lah. I mean, we have very limited resources in terms of our expertise, uh, the human resources and financial resources, and also power to push forward our reform agenda lah, for human rights and for, for good governance. Right. Yeah, but, but that being said, although we have the limited resources, I mean, people we always in solidarity, pressing issues, and this in turn, I think, became our strength as well. Lah. And for instances, for election observation, we have worked with Tatkomas and Suaram before 
to monitor the election. So they are focusing on election uh, and racial politics, hate speech, uh, violation of human rights. For Brazil, we focus on more uh, election offenses and the conduct of election. Lah. So Ashraf, let's talk about um, the report itself and some of your findings. Um, could you provide an overview of some of the key findings from your executive report on the 2023 state elections? Right. Uh, so the report that we launched, uh, I mean, uh, in, in January uh, last month, uh, actually it's not just for the six state elections, but also we cover Kuatranganu uh, 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 by election, mm -hmm. Pulai, uh, Sipanjaran by election, also Kemaman. We miss out Pelangai by election. Because I mean the 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 date for Pelangai and I think uh Pula is very close to uh, very close, and and we didn't have much time to train our observers lah. But for yeah for Berse, uh we uh for our election observation we monitor certain aspects. Firstly, we monitor the, the how the election con how the SPR conduct the election, and also we monitor the election offenses act uh, all the election offenses. Uh, committed by the political parties, the candidates, or even the uh, enforcement agencies. Uh. So for election offences, we monitored 10 um, uh, offences that were stated in, that is stated in the uh, Election Offences Act 1954. And also we use uh, international uh, group practices. Uh, because some of the offences that were committed by the, uh, by the political parties or by the government uh, is not in the it's not it's not uh, what how can I say it's not uh, being uh, in in the law right now uh, for example uh, abuse of state resources currently right. there are no laws that uh, prohibited government to use the resources during campaign period lah. so there are two parts uh, on how we we monitor the election so in this report uh, we have recorded i mean 300 plus offenses committed by political parties candidates Ketika uh, and non ketika government. Uh, I mean, the most offenses commit is the uh, during the polling on the polling day, where political parties still campaign and canvassing for votes. That is uh, an offense under Section Twenty Six of the Election uh, Offenses Act. The second most committed offense is the abuse of state resources by the ketika and non ketika government. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, during the state elections, right? Uh, so the federal government still there. They are still functioning because uh, the parliament is not dissolved yet, only the, the, the state assembly. So uh, they are the non caretaker government. Lah. But also there are offenses committed by the caretaker government by the caretaker uh, chief minister. Right. Yeah, yeah. For example, uh, uh, during the launch of Pakatan Harapan uh, election machinery, Jentra Pelaharaya, uh, Anthony Locke, the minister of transportation, right? He mm -hmm. announced LRT project in Penang, in that uh, launching of uh, uh, PH election machinery lah in Penang, right. and, and also Zahid. I mean, he usually do this. <laughs> he always announce like some grants or perutukan to Satuan Belia. I mean, if you if you can remember, he announced two hundred fifty k to Satuan Belia in 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 Kuala Terengganu. And also, he committed the same uh, uh, offense against when he announced the project to improve PPR uh, in Pulai. If uh, with conditions, eh, if uh, the PH candidate wins uh, in Pulai, so uh, we actually lodged a police report against the head, but uh, we haven't received any update lah from 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 the police. 
uh, until today lah. And I think it's uh, one issue that it, that resurfaces before uh, that I mean after GE 14 is quite uh, okay because we have uh, 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 the SBR have do a, a water cleanup. Right. Yeah. But during the sixth state election, uh, we for for Brazil we have we have recorded three incidents where water were denied to vote because their IC had been used by I mean by by another person lah. Mm. And also. Uh, uh, the police also have says in the statement that they receive more, more than ninety complaints. I think that both uh, voters I see is being used for for voting lah. So there are some uh, vote, uh, voters who lodge a police report because they cannot vote on the polling day. So this this I mean this trend is quite worrying because we haven't received this incident or recorded this incident during the GE fifteen. But uh, in the uh, sixth election, suddenly it increased to ninety plus uh, 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 cases, lah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. We want to dive a little bit deeper into these instances of violations and misconducts observed during elections. But before that, let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Ashraf Sharafi, Senior Manager at Bursi. We will continue this discussion after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Ashraf Sharafi, Senior Manager at Bursay. And we're talking about their observation report from the six state elections in 2023, as well as some by-elections. So Ashraf, um, earlier you started talking about um, some of the instances of violations and misconduct observed during the elections and on the campaign trail. Could you elaborate on these instances and also talk about the implications of these misconducts on democracy? I mean, there are a lot of, of, of misconduct lah, during, mm -hmm. during that, uh, uh, that election. I mean, for, for the report, actually, we try to highlight the abuse of state resources by the mm -hmm. non-critical government. I mean, this is why before the CSPRN, uh, we came up with the 3C guidelines because, uh, like I said uh, just now, that we do not have any laws right now to mm -hmm. prohibit or to regulate how the uh, the government should conduct themselves during election period. So the 3C guideline is that uh, if uh, for the, for the 3C guideline for the non-critical government, I mean the federal government during the sixth election, so that they uh, if they want to like uh, announce some projects. Or some grant or uh, some grants or give some uh, assistance to to people, uh, and uh, in the sixth election, so we impose three uh, conditions for them. First, is there there should be no campaigns, uh, so they cannot campaign in that event of giving out or announcing some projects. There should there should be no candidates that uh, were there during that uh, event that majlis. And also, they should not impose any conditions, lah, like Zahid did uh, in Pulai, where where he said he the the he will review and pass the the project to improve the PPR to to tamabai the PPR if the uh, if his party wins, lah. So this is the uh, the I mean the guideline that we try to uh, to push to the government, and but I think like uh, the impact of to democracy. For instance, if uh, when the government abuses the state, uh, the state resources because we all pay tax money, right? So we do not pay our tax so that the ruling party can use the our fund 
for their own interest lah. So when they abuse state resources, abuse state resources or use the uh, the government machineries, it will really create an unequal playing field for the candidate. As the candidate with the ruling party will have more advantage lah. But I think now people are more aware. Uh, government can throw grants or announce new project or give some bantuan, baja or what. But people know this is wrong. I mean, this I think this is uh, where I mean for like 10 or 15 years that we try to push for this awareness and people have known that this sort of conduct or sort of abuse of state resources is wrong. And this strategy actually may turn against them. Lah. And not all kawasan that they announce this project win, for example, in Kuala Terengganu. Lah. Like, Kuala Terengganu still uh, uh, the party from uh, from the opponent, lah, from Peace opponent, from the government opponent wins. Uh, 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 the election can and mm. rather than the uh, pakatan or barisan lah. so this can certainly will not will always work for them lah. but uh, yeah I mean for democracy it's not really healthy uh, because uh, then people will focus more on what material gains they can be what materials can they gain in, in a short period lah kan right yeah right so one of the areas of concern highlighted in the report is the issue of intimidation, violence, and hate speech during the campaign period. How prevalent were these incidents and what's the impact of that? Yeah, uh, I mean, for, for Brazil, we try to monitor also the intimidation, violence, and uh, racial campaigns or religious campaigns or, or more than... Uh, too many sentiments, lah. Uh, campaign mm-hmm. uh, that harm on uh, racial and uh, religious sentiment. Uh, but in our report, we only uh, managed to record thirteen, I think, thirteen cases of racial campaign, twelve or thirteen campaign uh, 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 cases. Uh, but this uh, sort of misconduct or or, or or offenses is surprisingly is used is. By PN and also PH lah, mm-hmm. they have on racial and religious issues against each other for the campaign. Uh, actually, this uh, this uh, this type of offense is in violation of Section Four A and Section Nine of the Election Offences Act. Right. And as voters, when political parties focus their message around hate speech to intimidate or provoke response from their political counterparts, I think it will dilute the more pressing issues of the party or the candidate lah, kan? Uh, because we focus more on that sentiment rather than we try to uh, uh, try to like uh, uh, nilai kan lah huh? their mm-hmm. their competency, their potential, or their performance. Okay? And and we also will always forget that there are more pressing policy need to solve our economic problem, political problem, education issues, and so on lah. I mean, for Brazil, that is why we launched our uh, vote local campaign. We try to pull back or to put back the narrative that the state election or the by-election is really to elect the state government, which in turn will affect our local government that directly impacted our daily life. Yeah? Our local counter-sumbat, our jalan berlubang, water issues, and, and, and so on. Lah. So really, when we more focus on sentiments rather than uh, bread and butter issues, I mean, it, we will not go anywhere lah, as a democracy. Ashraf, could you provide some examples of these sentiments that were played up um, during the election period, election campaign period? Because 
like you said, um, you know, it's it's oftentimes the the sort of um, assumption is that this is something that only Perikatan National does, um, Bersatu, PAS, and so on and so forth. But as you um, pointed out very importantly, it is um, even Pakatan Harapan has a role to play in the whole um, politicizing of um, race and religion in, in our political um, discourse. Um, could you provide some examples? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, of course, we know that uh, even before uh, the announcement of uh, election period, right? After the dissolution of uh, this, uh, the don, I mean, Perikatan mm -hmm. uh, memang like uh, hard on this issue lah, racial campaign and religious campaign. And this in turn, I think, uh, make Perikatan Harapan also want to like counter the narrative. So, for example, uh, I mean, uh, in my parliament, when where I observe the elections in Alostar, so there are cerama by Anongsa lah that reminding people on the 13 May and the minority will uh, will will govern will govern the will govern Malaysia after this. And also, of course, like Hadi Awang lah, uh, like really say that this government is dominated by the non-Muslims and the extremes. But then, in turn, Anwar Ibrahim also said in his drama, in I think in in Kedah, uh, he said that uh, if you vote for uh, ex member of Amno, it is a treasury to the bangsa lah, <laughs> to to right. also to Islam. I mean, they both PN uh, PN and PH both use this sentiment lah. So PN accused of Pakatan as uh, mengkhianati bangsa. And in turn, Pakatan also says that same thing that PN also mekanati lah, and they have on issues like uh, apa ni, deraka uh, kepada agung and so on lah in in their campaign also. Right. So how do we prevent this from happening in the future? Because this is something that um, it's it's pretty much um, you know the norm in Malaysian political campaigning, um, and like you said, it's both sides. Um, you know, using the kind of language, um, you know that that Kate, that sort of um plays into identity politics, um, that riles people up um along racial and religious lines, um whether it's the green wave, whether it's fear mongering, um whether it's called you know on the Perikatan side calling non-Muslims kafirs and and things like that, um you know this seems to be the norm when it comes to our election campaign campaign strategies of our political parties how do we prevent this from happening in the future yeah i, I think for um, for example we can we can uh, like uh, follow our jiran uh, our neighbor in indonesia mm -hmm. i think they have a more mature and professional way of doing politics and political and and also political competitions i mean their own culture like uh, we can adopt what Indonesia did during Pemilu lah, where they have the debate president. Uh, I mean, this sort of debate can really bring back the focus on what the candidate can offer to the voters lah, to the people kan. Rather than they just campaign themselves and talking among themselves, why not they face each other and then like uh, and throw their ideas lah and, and, and question each other what can they, what can uh, their lawan uh, can offer to the government uh, to the public and also what can they offer to the public lah i think, I think uh, when we have like the presidential debate i mean for per se we try to do to nurture this lah 
we have tried to uh, do the debate agong lah among the chief minister mm-hmm. but usually they will reject lah we send letters to them but they will not entertain lah kan because also our campaign period is very short we have only two weeks 14 days right to campaign mm-hmm. and this uh, and they want to like really optimize their 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 time to uh, meet the voters lah so i think uh, by doing this debate uh we can people can like uh nilai sendirilah the, the prestasi of or what the candidate is capable of lah rather than only focusing on the ceramah and also i think it's also important that we ensure level, uh, level playing field lah uh, so the risk to win the election is really not based on our sentiments and or who can provide material gain during the short run but Uh, which policy is more sustainable or viable and and makes sense lah for for the long run for for the long run you mentioned things like doing debates um while that is certainly an intriguing idea isn't there a risk of you know the politicians using the debate platform to also then spew identity political uh, rhetoric um you know talking along racial and religious lines and things like that uh, how do we change that because it seems like um you know regardless of the platform the politicians seem to stand on they tend to think along racial and religious lines it's um you know on the pakatan harapan side sometimes it's about fear mongering that an islamic wave is coming um on the perikatan national side it's fear mongering that the chinese and the dap are going to be taking away their rights um it seems something that is so inbuilt within the way our politicians think and campaign um and and it's been going on for decades how do we change the mindset or the psychology of the politicians and and just you know people on the campaign trail and perhaps even the malaysian people to think about polit- uh, politics like you said from a policy level rather than through identity politics especially race and religion yeah uh, i mean that's why i think when we can, i mean i i'm i'm okay if we have the debate on uh, uh issues such as like uh secularism or what not right right or uh, issues like uh, uh, or revolving around uh, islamic issue i mean for i mean uh, uh, for for me as a malay right mm-hmm. i think it's okay for that to to happen uh, be that the format of the debate or how we structure the the debate or the discussion i mean uh sometimes i think uh why the the fear mongering or like this uh, uh excessive sentiment uh, towards certain uh, certain race or certain uh, certain religion because uh the actually the although the, the sentiment is there but it is not being turned over by the the counter lah the lawan lah for for all the moderates lah right so I mean by having this debate i think then people can be more aware of that uh discussion in our tradition for for me as a Malay muslim so there are a lot more deeper debate in our tradition rather than that what that is really being presented uh, through the political punya apa ni punya narrative lah 
Right. So I think this 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 can really educate more people that there are a lot of uh, views in Islam uh, rather than some quarters that want to highlight that way Islam should or should not be right, uh, involved in politics. Lah. Right. So, so, I, I, so what yeah, you're yeah. saying is that even uh, talking about religion in politics is okay. What you're saying is you need to bring these different points of view on a common platform and, and you know, have them debate out, discuss out so that people see these different points of view. So at least even if you're talking about religion or race, you're having different points of views come together rather than, you know, being in your silos and just listening to hate speech yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. let's also talk about voter accessibility. Um, what did you observe in terms of how easy the voting process um, uh, throughout the six state elections and the by-elections was for Malaysians going out to the polls? Uh, I think from, from our feedback that we collect, uh, actually uh, during this election, uh, the election commission just do their business as usual. Uh, there are not much improvement uh, from SPR, although there are some. I mean, I think SPR did increase their, their polling stream and and, and and polling stations just to like uh, to reduce the waiting time right uh, before uh, voters can uh, uh, can go uh, go and cast their vote in the policy in, in the saluran um other than that i think it's just business as usual uh although spr did open like um for for, for postal voting right uh they opened the application earlier for postal voting and uh, they open it, I think, after the dissolution of the state government lah, until two weeks before the nomination day. For This is for the category 1B. Category 1B postal voting is the Malaysian who resides overseas. Lah, eh. uh, but I think the most pressing issue that faced by the voters actually is to go back and vote. I mean, this, uh, I, uh, I think voters is still not enfranchised enough to facilitate the voting process. Uh, especially those who is out of state or out of region voters lah. Like uh, me, I'm vote in 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 Kedah, but I stay in in uh, in Selangor or Sabah, right? So it will be hard for me to go back and vote because I need to buy a ticket or bus ticket. And also, we receive that uh, for for uh, accessibility to voters who is uh, okay with the person with disability. We receive some complaints uh, that some election workers is not really clear on how to manage the PWDs and give some conflict, uh, give conflicting directions. Some policies are really too far from the main gate that they, they make it harder for voters uh, with wheelchair and also with tongkat. Uh, there are petugas there, the, the petugas raya, there to help, but as we know that there are only a few of them and some voters uh, usually will be left out uh, because they need to attend to some other voters. Uh, we also received some complaints on on uh, uh, OKU voter who can drive, but he did not allow to go inside the police station to park his car. And the parking lot for that police station is 600 meters away from the police station. So this voter is using wheelchair. So in the end, he just go back lah, eh, without voting. So recently, you mentioned Indonesia earlier, right? Recently, Indonesia held their elections. And one of the things that I, I, you know, is that I believe there were 
50 times to 100 times more polling stations during their recent elections, uh, more than Malaysia, although their population size is only 10 times more. What can we learn from Indonesia in terms of voter accessibility? Yeah, I, I, so so in Malaysia, we usually use schools, right, for, for as police center, where people right. need to go to the police center, rather than the police center is placed or, 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 uh, or is or the protester is bringing up to, to them lah, eh, to to their kampung or near the kampung lah. Right. So yeah, this I think we can learn from in, in Indonesia also, and from India, and how they bring the police station to water. So for mm-hmm. for example, I, I mean I, I take the case for India first. So in India, in uh, there is one estate in India that there are three hundred fifty voters there, but most of them decided to migrate to another area. Leaving out one voter in that in their kampong lah. So what the India EC decided to do is that they retain that station for that single voter. You know, only one voter for that one polling station. So what the mindset of the election commission uh, election commission in India is that they choose to appreciate his right or appreciate his vote and bring the election workers and election voters there to help him cast his vote lah. So this is same as as uh, uh, as the Indonesia, where they bring the polling uh, polling station or polling booth, they can bring the polling booth everywhere in the Balaraya, in the shopping mall, in the Langkampung. So of course there are pros and cons lah for this approach, can. But I think we can emulate this or we can study this uh, uh, this practice to suit our need in Malaysia lah. For example, maybe the EC can try to have a mobile polling station where they can set up a temporary polling booth for voters in remote areas and areas that is difficult to access lah. Rather than uh, voters need to charter ferry like or, or apa, uh, walk 15 kilometers, 30 kilometers just to go and vote kan. So this is I think the, uh, the, the should have the change of our mindset lah and approach that the EC must make sure every single voters can uh, uh, can apa, boleh jalankan hak mereka lah and then then and they appreciate and respect their rights of every single voter lah rather than have that mindset that voters yang kena jalan must walk or must come to the police station even if it will cost them or then they need to charter a boat or ferry or whatnot lah absolutely now i just have a couple more questions for you before we wrap our conversation up um what Moving forward, which or what what recommendations do you consider to be the most urgent? Um, what does the EC need to do? Um, you know, uh, very urgently as soon as they can, um, for strengthening democratic governance in the region. Yeah, uh, I mean EC, they they surely have like more. Uh, they can play a more prominent role, uh. Mm-hmm. But I think it is, it is for the federal government. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, like when we highlighted the Election Offenses Act, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, before. So now, actually, in the EC, the Election Commission, do not have any power to dende uh, orang or to like uh, investigate lah if there are uh, election officers commit, uh, committed. By right. political parties or candidate, right? So this is very big part, ah, uh, that uh, the government need to amend this uh, election process act and also maybe amend the constitution 
to give more power to uh, more power of enforcement to SPR. Because right now, if they see any offenses, SPR need to lodge police report, <laughs> and then the police report will investigate the offender lah. And this always be like uh, uh mimbola lah. So SPR will push it to police, and police say that uh it is under SPR jurisdiction. So by the time they finish discussing, <laughs> the 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 offenses already committed. So I think this this need to change, and this also what we Brazil we propose to amend the or to modernize the Election Offenses Act to to give more power to SPR at least to gender, and also to include some offenses that is not there yet, like uh, abuse of state resources. We want these uh, offenses to be included in the Election Offenses lah as uh, one of the uh, offenses in the Election Offenses Act. I think when if we have these two uh, uh, reforms, uh, SPR can have a better, I mean, uh, have more teeth eh, to enforce the law rather than just uh, uh, do their own usual stuff. Lah. Right. And before we wrap this conversation up, Ashraf, would you have a final message for us? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think for democracy uh, to work, uh, People really need to participate lah in this decision process. Mm. Not just we 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 should not just go out and vote during polling day, but we also try to involve in that process lah by observing election or or spreading correct information on uh unquote political issues, uh or, or even the grassroots like satuan belia kampung or whatnot can do like the voter education. I mean, if we people have better awareness on our process and our democratic process. It will make our democracy better, and I think we really need more segment lah from society to come to the front and and, and monitor the election lah to, because uh, we want to protect our democracy and from our experience, from our experience, when we involve with Pemarati, the program under SPR, uh, every feedback that we give to SPR, they they really take into consideration lah. On that note, Ashraf, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Dashram. That was Ashraf Sharafi, Senior Manager at Bursay. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.